newest one. It's a, it's a uh, familiar in words, a little different version of it, but uh, we still have victory in Jesus, don't we? He is our Savior forever. Aren't you glad of what he did for us?
has done great things. He does great things. He will do great things. <laughs> and he will. And I believe that. You know, we were joking around last night. We were seeing graves in the garden. A God who turns things around. I think so many times we accept things as they are when God has another plan. And we need to quit accepting things as they are and trust in our God who can turn things around. Who can turn things around. I was joking around with Wendy last night. Um, that I was going to pray for her this morning. I found out last night she doesn't like chocolate. I don't know if she can hear me or not. And we were going to pray for her to be delivered and God to turn that around this morning. <laughs> I don't like that will be a miracle, I guess. But no, we were joking around about that. But truly, God is, he turns things around. What, what seems to be just going one direction, he can flip that around. And uh, we need to trust him for that this morning.
Break every 
I thought about the watchman in Ezekiel and how everybody thinks the watchman, his great ability was his sight. The watchman's ability wasn't his sight. It was his hearing as he couldn't see in the darkness in any way approach. Great hearing could hear them in the past. I think sometimes we look and we get trapped by our sight when God is saying, trust me. Because what you can't see, I can hear the what the Spirit is speaking to the church. God, right now, I pray for healing. I pray right now, God, for brothers to come in Jesus' name. Because I know sometimes we do everything we can do. We say what we say. We speak our words. But there are times when we link hands with a God and only God can work. Do what only you can do. Because sometimes we exhaust our resources and then God is our resources. Be the resource today. Because sometimes we're exhausted. Sometimes the shadow is too great. The burden's too heavy. It loads us down. We think about it night and day. Lord, give us peace today and trust you that you are the God of the outcome. You are the God that can see what we can't see. We hear with your spirit what is speaking. And you would say, trust me today. You would say, trust me with the past. Trust me with the present. And believe me, I am your future. Do your work today, God. Do your work, God. Jesus, do your work for James today. I pray you'll heal him completely, God. Sometimes we get tired of messing around and beating around the bush in prayer. Do a work in healing today. Heal him today, God, and speak by your spirit to Millie and to April today. Heal Joe at home, God. Touch that knee. Let him have recovery because I know it's been more difficult than he thought. But you're the God that brings relief. Do that today for him and Vicky, Lord. We love our people, God. Touch them in Jesus' name. For Harry at home today, I spent two hours with him yesterday, God. Do a work in that guy's life. Bring him completely back to God. Heal him and use him because he wants to be used. I pray you would use us today, God. This church is far from end. We have a new chapter turning in our book, God. Acts 29 is about ready to live here, God. Healings and messages and prophetic words that God is going to bring for us. Do your work today, God. Do not let us limit you. Do not let us limit the Holy One of Israel in gifts, in healings, in miracles. God, let us, we are willing to see your hand move. We are. We are willing hearts, God. May this young generation that is in here, and it breaks my heart. Some of our teenagers aren't here. Bring them, God. Show them your path. Let them see with their own eyes. Let them be recovered. And let this generation speak God's word. May you do heart changes, God. May like Jeremiah, you give us a new heart for a new day. We love you today, Jesus. Thank you for the obedience and worship and for God's people being here. You have the people you want here today, God. We love you in Jesus' name. God's people said amen. 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 Thank you, Lisa, for your obedience. Thank God you have a worship leader that's obedient. I, I I know you guys don't know this. I've done some retreats and speaking. And I'm going to tell you what. You'd have to have a bottle of oil after the worship leader gets up to raise the dead. Thank God for what's a joke. Uh, Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for being obedient. There are some messages that you want to skip. 
This is one of them. Uh, turn with me to Matthew, the fifth chapter. But we preach the whole word of God here. Uh, so in Matthew, the fifth chapter, the 27th verse, this is a hard message. And then we get into the Ten Commandments. There's another tough message. Uh, there are two really messages when I said, you know, I feel like God leading me to do the Sermon on the Mountain. I feel the Ten Commandments. And then you start reading, you're thinking, oh, can I just skip this and do a real happy message? Um, 50%, 40 to 50% of the marriages today, first time marriages end in divorce. Uh, it's a tragic fact. It used to be uh, less than that. But I looked, I, I tried to do some research this week, and they say 40 to 50%. Uh, they said this, and I think this is low, because that, a lot of the people that wrote this stat never counseled. 25% of men and 15% of women commit infidelity. Um, if you were married and got divorced and remarried, 60% of that marriage went to divorce. I'll say that again. If you're, if you're divorced and remarried, someone that's divorced, 60% of that marriage went to divorce. It's because you're, usually you're bringing baggage, and people don't get their baggage healed. Um, this is why pundits will tell you, you read in this day and age, and this is what these kids are getting, a lot of our young people, that uh, people who live, if you live together and don't make that commitment, although they would say, I'm living together, that's a commitment. You can walk out of that easily because adultery and divorce and fornication will eventually happen. So let's not get that commitment. Let's just test the waters out. Uh, you'll read that a lot. Uh, that's not God's plan. Husband and wife, the two shall be one for a lifetime. Singleness with abstinence is God's will. Virgin- hey, can I tell you this? Virginity is a good thing before marriage. It's not said anymore, but it's a good thing before marriage. It's a God-honoring way to live. God establishes marriages so the family will be strong. This is what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It has been said anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. I combined these two today because they go together. Um, The breakdown of the family in America has consequences. Jesus' interest in this passage is once again not, I understand the act of adultery, I understand the act of infidelity, the act of divorce, but he again is coming to the intent of the heart. He's saying if your heart is right, the the consequences will be right. Jesus, uh, God has severe, severe penalties for anyone willing to have sexual relation outside marriage. You know what they did in the Old Testament? Took them outside the city and stoned them. Probably don't have enough rocks in America. It is rampant. It is hideous. And I'll talk about it at the end here. Uh, When Jesus is talking about this, uh, in Matthew, go go to 29, would you? Are we there? Where he talks about, if your right eye gouges, if 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 your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to throw in the air. Jesus is not not advocating mutilation, all right? But he is advocating a ruthless moral self-denial. He is doing that. What he's saying, if your right eye offends you, don't look. If you're walking towards sin, get crippled. Don't let your eyes or your feet take you where God is not intending for your life. You know what they say sin is? Sin is any thought or action contrary to the will of God. I'll say it again. Sin is any thought or action contrary to the will of God. Jesus is saying to you and to I, adultery falls in those parameters. Uh, this, is, this is really tough because I'll, I'll talk about it at the end a little bit more. 
This, my family tree on my dad's side are famous adulterers and brag about it, which is terrible. I, I just, I can't believe I'm saying that, but it's true. I saw it firsthand growing up uh, again and again and again. Jesus is saying this, avoid the start and you won't get to the end result. Do you understand what I'm saying? I have never seen anyone not take a drink and become an alcoholic. And I've been around a lot of them. They start with one drink and then it floods. I don't do that. I would never take a drink because I have an addictive personality. I'm not going to do that. It's just who I am. Even before Christ. But I just, I would never do it because I saw it in my family. But understand this. When, and I want to say this to you just very carefully. There are devices that we have now that it is so easy to access stuff. On our iPhones this generation, I talked to a kid and counseled him a few weeks ago. He said, Bill, you don't understand. I'm two, t- I'm two clicks away from a naked body. And I went, God help us. God help us to guard. God help us to keep. God help us to get people in our life that are accountable. We need to be accountable to people. We need people, especially young people. They need people in their life that are accountable. So this online viewing, it's out of control. I know a lot of you aren't, maybe aren't around a lot of young people. It is out of control for these kids. I was in Panera the other day. And I was watching a young man. I walked by and he's watching nude bodies on his computer in Panera. I'm just thinking, God help us. And it's, it, you know what, when we read, we're going to go through on Wednesday nights, we're going to go through Judges. Not this week, but next week. When I read Judges, I'm thinking, what's the difference between that and America? It's, it's, it's just, when I talk about this, I just want to say, avoid the start and you won't get to the end. I know I'm talking to people that are seasoned Christians. Billy Graham said this, I heard him speak in 1980 here and I'll never forget it. It's a long time ago. He came here for the festival of evangelism and he said this, it's the only time I've ever heard him speak, but I don't know why he got off on this. It seemed like a random thing for him to say, but he said, if you look at a woman one time, it's not lust. But if you look twice, you're in trouble. I remember him saying that. I thought that's really unique. But I will say this. Please guard yourself. Jesus is talking about putting our guard up. Talking about divorce in 531 and 32, he says this. It has been said anyone who, gives his, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except For sexual immorality makes her a victim of adultery. Jesus is speaking about marriage. And the ideal marriage, the ideal marriage is this. But Adam had no suitable helper was found. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of man's ribs. And then he closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. And he brought him to her. The man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. They become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. God's intent for marriage is one man, one woman for a lifetime. I'll say it again if you're hearing impaired. One man, one woman for a lifetime. Amen? And I think sometimes we look at this and society starts bleeding into the church. Now, I will say this. I grew up in a time when if you went through divorce, the church shunned you. It was terrible. Now, that is terrible. Sometimes you can't help what happens with your partner. It's, it's out of your control. It's just out of your control. And that happens. And the church looked on divorced people, wouldn't accept them. Now that is not God's will that we don't love people. Because that's how you know you pass from death on the life. Because you love the brothers and sisters. We love people that come. It doesn't mean we condone lifestyle. But it does mean that we stretch our arms with God's love to them. We have to. Jesus talks in 19, Matthew 19, 3 and 8. 
He says this in Matthew 19, the third chapter, he says this. Some Pharisees came to him and test him. They asked him, is it law for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it is not this way. It's okay, from the beginning. You can go to the next verse. I tell you that except that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. You know, the, the Pharisees had this law, and it was called consension. So their law was that if a man, for mostly any reason, saw his wife as not pleasing him, he could divorce her. Because the man held the reins in the, in, the New, in the New Testament as far as the Pharisees were concerned. And Jesus is saying, I'm not concerned about your law of consension. I'm not concerned about you should not be able to put someone. The Pharisees, what they did is they wanted, they'd rather regulate sin. They would rather regulate sin than give up control altogether. So they made these laws of consension. The Pharisees had a belief that if you were unclean, they would call anything unclean. Anything that the man, with the, anything that was unpleasing to the man... He could depose the wife. Jesus is saying, that cannot be. He's speaking directly to the laws they're made. Jesus is saying there's only one reason for divorce, and it's adultery. But I want you to know, I, uh, I added this this morning, and I, I, taught, I was going to take it out, but I want to I read a story to you. It's a story of Jesus when they brought a prostitute to him in John 8. The teachers of the law in verse 3 of John 8 said this. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group. And and they said, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery. In the law of Moses commands us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down, starts writing in the sand. You know the story. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said, Let any of you who is without sin cast the first stone. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this time, those who heard him began to go away, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman. And the woman and and him were standing there, and Jesus straightened up and said, Woman, where are they? Have no one condemned you? No, sir, she said. Then neither do I. But I want to tell you something. God forgives adultery. God forgives fornication. But notice what Jesus said at the end. Go and sin no more. You see, that's Jesus' advocate. We forgive adultery. We forget. I think sometimes we get on this kick that adultery is the unpardonable sin. It's not. God can forgive. God can cleanse the heart. If we don't believe that, then Jesus' blood isn't real and his death on the cross is nullified. But Jesus' blood covers it. But what Jesus is saying, I love you. I know you've committed this act, but go and sin no more. But Jesus says one reason for divorce, adultery. And he's saying all these other reasons, Moses made those consensions and there was consensions made because your heart was hard. Romans 6, 1, should we, should we let these things happen? Romans 6, 1 says this, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? The answer to that is no. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slave. You know, all things are lawful, Paul said, but all things are not expedient. We are free to live as we want to. But because Christ is in our heart, he's our guard. He's our safety net. He puts boundaries by the Spirit in our life. That's why we are free to do anything we want. But Paul is saying your freedom should cause you to live as not to offend anyone and not to, t- and not to, not to blacken the heart of God in the sense that you're causing him to, uh, to weep over your, uh, your sin. I will say this to you. The pressure on marriages is great today. Money takes two incomes to just have it together a lot of times. And I know a lot of people would advocate, you don't understand that, you know, we, we, we're living on one income and we're paying the price. 
I understand, I understand that. I'm, I'm not advocating for one or two incomes or the kids in school or homeschooling. I'm, I'm not here to argue anything, but I will say this. The pressure is great. Um, the media absolutely endorses affairs. You've got these crazy shows, Temptation Island. Whoever discovered life after lockup? Who does this stuff? It's just crazy. Everything you view, either online or in TV, it seems like it glorifies cheating on your partner. It glorifies sex outside of marriage. I don't get it. I do get it. The unsaved heart does a lot. Um, We have time more and more and more. Our time is away from the people we love because we're shrunken with our work, um, our schedules. Um, And then this generation will say to us, we don't have any good examples. And you know what? I believe this church has good examples. But as a whole, young people are looking for examples of marriages, and it's hard for them to find that. It really is. It's hard for them to find good examples. So there's a lot going on today. Healthy marriages. I, I, just, I just don't believe kids are going to find that at a local bar. They're not going to find it at a local club. They're not going to find it at the health club. They're not going to find it anywhere. I think this is the place that we build healthy, healthy, healthy marriages. Amen? I believe if one place should have healthy marriages, they should flourish here. You know what I like about this church? Nine-week anniversary day. Ooh, I'm celebrating. That you're healthy. Your relationships are healthy. Your marriages seem healthy. They really do. Wendy and I were talking about that this morning. You're gonna be, I said, I've got to preach about adultery and divorce today. It's great. Uh, and we were talking about that coming up, and it's tough issues. Because everyone here at one time or another, have been affected by one of these two subjects. You know someone that's been in the church that adultery's happened and there's been a fragment in the marriage. You know someone that's committed fornication and it just destroys you. It, it can destroy your church and I think sometimes there are shadows that hang, but God is the reliever of shadows. He, bring, he brings his spirit to relieve us. His presence washes that away and we have new days. We have new days. I want to make some observations. Can I? It'll be uh, the first one. It's not running, but I will, I will use this one. Run from temptation. Run. Keep this in your mind. Run. Keep away. Run away from things that cause perpetuation of cheating on your spouse or that cause you to get on your you know it's funny i was reading the passage this morning in corinthians that says that we are not ignorant of his devices you know the the passage that says that you know it's right i don't know if paul knew he was we do have devices today and they're called iPhones. And we really need to be ignorant. We don't need to be ignorant of those devices. But I believe we do need to run away. Things that, think, I think what happens is things get easily accessible to us. They come easy. And this is the easiest time in the history of mankind to get on Facebook. And to start chatting with someone. Now, I know a lot of you older folks, you know, you aren't heavily on Facebook probably. But to get in the chat room and start talking. I will say this. I I wish this church was filled with young couples. Let your wife see your phone. Let your wife look at your history. Keep accountable. Get someone in your life you're accountable to. I think it's important. But I will say this. Keep away, put away, and run away from things that perpetuate sin in your life. Find someone accountable. Let's go to the next image. adultery is an avalanche coming down a hill that will not stop. I want you to get these images. I don't do this a lot, but I want these images in my... It doesn't stop. And you know what's the problem? Not only are the two people that commit the act affected, children are affected, families are affected. Everybody gets affected by that. 
And it's tragic when, when the two people that are doing it, and believe me, this is not from one counseling session. This is from Wendy and I sitting in front of hundreds of couples, hundreds of pastors' couples, hundreds, not ten, hundreds, that I've seen it again and again and again. You think that act will only affect you too. But children are affected. Grandparents are affected. Aunts are affected. Church people are affected. People at work are affected. Let's pray that God absolutely keeps us from this. Pray over our couples in the church for strength because I tell you what, it is an avalanche that does not stop with the couple that does it. You know, I was reading today about family annihilators before I got up. And that is a person, a person that will go and either a man will kill his children and kill his wife or he will kill everyone or someone will go in the home and that person is usually a relative and because something tragic has happened, they will kill that person or they will wipe out the whole family. They, by death, by, by stabbing them or shooting them, they're called family annihilator. I'm going to tell you this right now. There is no greater family annihilator in America than divorce and adultery. Terrorism isn't our greatest threat, believe it or not. War is not our greatest threat. Homicides at the parade is not our greatest threat. I, I promise you, you can point to adultery and you can point to divorce as the greatest twin killers in the history of this nation. It kills us. It's a disaster, folks. And the reason I'm doing some warnings today is because we are going to have young couples come to this church that probably don't have the savvy we do, that don't have the background we do, that don't have the discipleship we do. And I will tell you this much, God help us to raise up families like we have right now in our congregation. God help us to have young couples here that are strong, that are solid, that can disciple other young couples, and let that continue, let the strong families into the next generation. Amen? Amen. Is there one more image? That's a good one, isn't it? Date your wife. It's okay to take her out. You don't have to be 15. Um, date your wife. Kiss her. Not a bad thing. Pray for your wife. Pray for your spouse. See, I've got this up here. And some of you are saying... If my husband prayed for me, I would drop over dead. So I got the oil here in case it happens today that if some of you drop, I got the oil here for you, okay? Pray for your spouse. Love your spouse. You know, they say, this is is taken among Jewish folk, that if you kiss your spouse before you leave for work, there's a 43% chance less that you'll divorce her. That's an incredible fact. Kiss your wife before you leave. You take it. You know, you're cutting it for you. That's good. That's good. I. Uh, this is a tough message, and and I'll tell you, I'm struggling a little this morning because, firsthand, some messages like you were talking this morning about. I think your brother. You know, some messages really hit home, and that's why I'm struggling a little this morning. Excuse me if I've walked through this a little gingerly. I remember time after time. I remember one time I came home from school. And um, I, I rode the bus to school until I was a, a, a senior. Mom got me a car and I drove because we, we got in a bus and we lived in the country and you had to go about five, six, seven miles to school. So I, drove a bu- I rode on a bus to get to school. And I remember I missed the bus. I got late missed the bus and I came back in. And I heard my, I was going to say, Mom, you got to take me to school. You know, I, I missed the bus. So I remember her sitting on the bed crying, and I'm going, what are you doing? And she said, I'm okay. And I just, you know, as a teenager, I was probably 15 at the time. And my dad had accepted Christ. Our family was going the right way. And I remember, I just knew, I said, his dad added again. And she just wept uncontrollably because my dad had just had an affair with another lady. And, you know, as a kid... You don't know what to do. You're helpless. You know, you don't know what to do. What do you do? What do you do? You, 
you know, I, I don't have enough counseling ability in me. I'm 15 years old. It, it crushed our families. My mom, my mom and dad stayed together for years and years. She put up with it. But I saw it firsthand how it slowly killed my mother and killed their marriage and crushed them. Even as Christians, it crushed them. It crushed them. I want to say this today, but God is the healer of marriage. He can heal. He can bring marriages back from the dead. God's able. And then I, my brother, uh, I'm just telling you know the first the first few months here. First of all, I'm going I'm to talk a lot about my family because I want you to know this isn't some perfect little preacher kid that came here. We have been through some wars, Wendy and I have, and God has brought us through, and we are before Him, spirit-led people. And I pray that God will continue to let us. Be your leaders along with you all and lead this church where God wants it to go. My brother uh, left the coal mine. He had worked there for 30 years. A little bit of black lung, back hurting. It's a tough place to work, believe me. A really tough place to work for 30 years. So he uh, leaves there and he wants to work. So he goes to work at a local casino. Not good. So he... uh, He has an affair with not one, not two, but three ladies. Correct? So my sister-in-law, Yvonne, finds out about it and says, I'm done. So they get a divorce, and my brother is ridden with guilt, just ridden with guilt. He can't believe he's lost his family because of stupid things he's done. And he's depressed. He's depressed. I took a few trips back, Wendy and I did, to talk to him, to try to help him. You know, you, you can see, if you've ever been around it, you can see the signs of suicide. You can see it really easy. You can kind of, kind of track it. And I knew he was going that way. And I, I, I talked to my niece, his daughter, and I said, Jen, what are we doing? She said, I'm doing all I can. About, I went back to talk to him. About two months later, I got a call from Jamie, which is my niece's husband. And he said, hey, are you sitting down? I went, no. And he said, uh, we went over to my brother's house. And he had, uh, he had committed suicide. And uh, please know this. If I could pray anything for this church, it would be that our marriage and our singles in this church would be protected from fornication and adultery. Because when you do that, hear me. When you do that, you drink from someone else's pond. You don't commit that act without it affecting you. You just don't do it. And I know this is a hard message. I know it's tough. But I will not shun to declare to you the whole counsel of God. I promise you that. I, uh, I went and did my brother's funeral. It was one of the saddest days of my life. Um, I love him. Uh, I don't know what he said or did in the last hour of his life. That's between him and God. Uh, my niece and my uh, his ex-wife are healed up through that. My niece and my uh, uh, her husband came to the Lord. Uh, his wife, who had been away from God, never served God, came to God. So through that, a lot of people came to Christ. Um, I want to do something this morning for you. I'm going to pray for those that are single today. I want to pray that God protects you, that God keeps your heart pure, that you are never lonely because Jesus is there. You know that? You know, I look at Glenda and her singleness and see God, you know, I just say this, I I just, I see her worship and I see her life. And I, I, I I know you don't know this, Glenda, but I'm so proud of how you carry yourself. And I've only been here nine weeks. So proud of that. And I pray for our young guys and girls. I pray for Sarah and I pray for some of these guys. I pray that God protects them. I pray that God gives you a good woman that loves God. Because I'll tell you what, your wife or husband will make or break you. I can promise you that. Look you right in the eyes. Thank God I married well. Thank God I married well. I know this hasn't been the greatest message you've ever heard, and it hasn't flowed really well. But know my heart today. We will continue to build strong marriages at this church because that is the backbone of a church.
I want to pray for everybody single. God, I pray for the single people here. I pray, God, that you will let them know when they lie in their bed at night and wonder, who, is, who am I going to be with, God? Who's, what is going on with me? And they date, and, they, and one fails, and one hits, and we don't know where it's going, and we get discouraged. I pray they'll know that you've got their back, God, that you've got your hand on them, Lord. And may they keep pure, God. May their mind and may their heart have a singleness and a whole devotion towards you. Keep them pure. Put your hand on them. Prepare their spouse, God. If they're meant to be single their whole life, do it. But God, if they're meant to be married, may they meet the right one. May they date them right. May they court them right. May they do right. May they get good counseling. May they marry and may they be God's couple. May they be together in love with you and in love with each other and march on for Jesus. May you give our churches and our single people spouses that love them, protect them, and are biblically sound in Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. Amen. If you're married, I want you to stand. Come on here. I'll come up and hold Lisa's hand. She won't mind. Come on. Uh, she can't walk, Jude, so you've got to go over. You've got to help her now, okay? I know what it is to be married for a long time. I know I look young, but 43 years of marriage. Uh, we have had our bumps and our bruises, and we have been in churches that are just plain flat out mean. Thank God you're not mean. Well, at least not yet anyway. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> no. we've only been here nine weeks now. But uh, I will say this to you. There are times that I'll be really good in the pulpit, and there are times like this morning I'll struggle because this subject hits so close to home that it's hard to get it out that I, I wanted to avoid it. I, wanted, I really did say, God, I wanted to say, God's dealing with me about changing the message this morning. God spoke. That would have been a lie. Uh, but you preach what's in the Word. The, the hardest thing is what's to live in the Word. It's one thing talking. It's another thing walking. I want to pray for our marriages this morning and the marriages that God's going to bring us and the marriages that we're going to perform. And you'll sit there and you'll be a witness to God. Thank you today for our marriages. I pray for us. God protect us. May you give us love for our spouse that is pure, undaunting, and honorable. God, in Jesus name, keep us from adultery. Let it run from us. May we flee lust. May you protect this church, and may we be pure before you, God. And if our eyes are looking at things they shouldn't, get it away. If we're walking towards sin, let us run the other way, God. Don't let the avalanche of adultery and divorce overcome this church. But, God, you overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony. Protect us. Cover us. Let there be a spirit of purity here, God. Let there be laughter in the house, God. Let us have joy because you're here, God. Because we love and rejoice in you, Jesus. Let there be laughter at women's fellowship and men's fellowship and fall festivals for years to come. Let us stand and witness as our young couples getting married and setting among us and having children and those children marrying God. The, the cycle goes on, but may the cycle of life be pure and be godly and may we obey your commandments. Protect our marriages, God. May we with bulldog tenacity, may we ruthlessly hold our wives' hands. And love them till our dying breath. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for a good morning, guys. Lisa, great job this morning. Thank you, guys. We love you. God bless you all. Love each other and talk. And I know the last one you do very well. Uh, <laughs>